Continuing with the discussion about the third action from this kitab, four actions to acquire the friendship of Allah Ta'ala by our Shaykh Hazrat Arif Billah Hazrat Muhammad Shahki Mawad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Alayhi. So the discussion was about the gaze and the last part that was discussed is that it is clearly understood from the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith that the one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil titles, titles in inverted commas. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. Number three, accursed. If one is addressed with any of these titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Some people object and say, what have we done? We did not take anything or do anything to anybody. All we have done is cast a glance. These Malvis needlessly frighten us. Nay, the Malvis are not frightening you. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul are prohibiting you. The Malvis do not make any laws of deen, they merely explain the laws of deen. The verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith presented above are these the sayings of any Malvi, any Alim, any other person? This is from Allah Ta'ala. So the ulama, the fuqaha, they don't make the laws, they explain the laws. They merely highlight what is in the Quran Sharif, what is in the Hadith Sharif, and explain the laws. One person had some issue, so there was some problem, so he went to find out a mas'ala from some alim, some mufti. So, they heard the whole detail, and the summary and the sum total of it was, that this, what you have done, constitutes three talaqs, your nikah is totally broken. And you cannot even reconcile now like this. So now he came back to give the outcome of what he has now found out. So now because of jahalat, ignorance, so now some family members got very very upset, went into a rage, big uproar, that so and so Mufti broke this person's home. So now did the Mufti break his home or he broke his own home? The Mufti Sahib merely explained to him what he has done. He didn't break anybody's home. But now this is the same issue that people sometimes don't realize what they're saying, what the impact of their statements are. So now if somebody has given a fatwa based on what the reality is, so is that person responsible for the problem or the person who's caused the problem himself? So unfortunately people sometimes do their own things and then pass the blame on somewhere else. So likewise this too, the law is of the law of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala's law. What Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, what is being presented is not from anybody's pocket, 
Furthermore, I say to such people who claim that we have taken nothing and done nothing, people who claim that they have taken nothing and done nothing but only cast a glance, that if your casting a glance is such an insignificant act, then why are you casting glances? If this is, you did nothing, then why even do this? Simply forsake casting lustful glances. Thus it is obvious that they are taking something and doing something when casting glances. What they are taking and doing is actually deriving haram pleasure which they import into their hearts. As a result, their hearts become ruined. When one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that no other sin is distanced, that in no other sin one is distanced away so far. The qibla of the heart completely changes. The heart that was directed towards Allah Ta'ala turns 180 degrees away towards the person one had glanced at. It is as if the heart has turned around completely to face the object of the lustful glance and has turned its back to Allah Ta'ala. What is actually being explained is by way of an example, like something, a person is turning his attention to something. Now for example, a person is performing salah, so his direction is the qibla. And his attention must be in that direction, he must be facing the qibla. So now supposing somebody passed by on the side, so now he turned 5 degrees, 10 degrees maybe, his head, is to see what's going on, who came. It's wrong, you shouldn't do that. But now that 5 degrees, though that's action is wrong, but if it was at few degrees, it didn't yet break his salah. But the action wasn't right, the action was wrong, but it didn't break his salah. So now that particular disturbance or distraction rather, that distraction, it took him away from the actual qibla, but to a very minimal extent, so his salah was still valid. But now supposing something happened behind him, so now in order to now see what's going on behind him, now he's in salah, he turned around 180 degrees. So another 180 degrees he turned around to see what's going on behind him, his salah also broke completely. That salah is now totally broken, if he was in the last rakat too, he has to repeat the whole salah. So what Hazrat is explaining here is that there are many things that distract a person's attention, distract his heart. So now, some of these distractions is like taking him away 5 degrees, 10 degrees, something 20 degrees. But the sin of casting haram glances, this turns the heart around 180 degrees. So it's like as if now, the person is in salah now, he's turned his back towards the qibla. Nothing remains of that salah now. So likewise, as if he has turned his back, figuratively speaking, turned his back towards Allah Ta'ala. Because this is such a sin that it takes the entire attention of the heart away to that haram. The entire attention of the heart is now refocused towards that evil. So there isn't any focus now left towards Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala is our creator, our sustainer, our benefactor. Allah Ta'ala deserves that we should be having our total focus to Him and our attention to Him 
and our entire muhabbat for him and now in this sin all this attention and the love for that haram has now come in so this is something which really affects the heart to the extent that many other sins don't affect it so seriously hence whether the person is performing salah reciting Quran Sharif or anything else that face is in front of him when in solitude also the mind is still engrossed in the same haram beauty now instead of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala the remembrance of that beautiful person is in the heart the heart is not subjected to such destruction by means of any other sin for instance a person has missed his salah or he has spoken a lie or he has harmed somebody his heart will turn away from Allah Ta'ala by 45 degrees now somebody might want to know that has somebody gone and measured it with how many degrees use the compass to check now let's move 10 degrees or 45 degrees or 75 degrees so this is not meant to be saying that somebody needs to go and measure it and the actual physical heart turns this is by way of a, an example and this is based on the experience and tajruba that when people relate their halat and how far they get distracted what goes on as a result of certain sins this is the explanation of that experience in terms of people's conditions so the issue is a person these are all serious sins very major sins there's two separate issues one is the actual sin and the whatever the warning of that sin is that for example a person has committed a certain sin then this is the warning he's committed theft and his hands will be cut and the major sin that will be recorded in the book of deeds so now how major that sin is accordingly that's how severe the sin will be recorded in the book of deeds so that is one part of it so whatever the sin might be whether it is lying whether he must be salah whether it is ghibat whether it is any other sin so one is the punishment that has been warned about certain sins the actual punishment has not been explained and described but this much that this is a severe sin Allah Ta'ala has warned against this with Jahannam Allah Ta'ala has cursed upon that sin so that all highlights it's a major sin so in the book of deeds a major sin will be written that's one portion he doesn't make Tawbah that will remain on the day of Qiyamah he could take, get taken to task for it it might mean he'll end up in Jahannam to get it cleansed and if he made sincere Tawbah inshallah it will get erased he made sincere Tawbah with the remorse and regret in his heart with the firm commitment to not go back to that sin etc the details that we discussed if it pertains to the rights of people he must fulfill that right or seek the person's forgiveness after the Tawbah that will be erased from the book of deeds Allah Ta'ala's Fazal and Karam that's one part of it the other part of it is the impact of that action on his heart <coughs> the simple example to understand this is that a person has he's knocked into somebody he's driving and he carelessly while driving carelessly he went and knocked into somebody so now he damaged his own car badly also maybe knocked into the person damaged his car too but his own car too is damaged badly 
any case he came out and apologized to the person for some reason now that person too mashallah he said okay no worry forget about it so he said forget about it so now as soon as he said forget about it no worry it's all mouth so that huge dent the whole fender was all broken light was all hanging out somewhere the maybe the engine also was damaged so this person now said no no worries mouth so that mouth that means now you don't have to pay back my damage also you don't have to pay for it whatever you damage in my car it's mouth but the damage that has happened to his own vehicle in the case of sinning against Allah Ta'ala person harms Allah Ta'ala in no way at all Allah Ta'ala doesn't get harmed by anybody's sin the harm is to the person himself so he says by way of example yeah, in this case now obviously we damage somebody else's vehicle so he said Maaf don't worry about it so fine don't worry about it so it means you won't have to pay for it in terms of the damages caused to me but does that mean that that damage and dent on his own car that fender that is hanging that light that is bust that radiator is all now leaking all over the place and the engine is already damaged because that person made it mouth, all this damage just came right instantly. It'll just all snap into place again. That car will be as good as new already. No, there's a big problem still here. He has to still sort this out. That person forgave his damages. He forgave his damages, so now he doesn't have to pay for that. But he still has to sort his own sort problem out. So in the case of sinning, a person does no harm to Allah Ta'ala. But Allah Ta'ala's grace, he made toba. He sincerely repented, so Allah Ta'ala forgave it. Allah Ta'ala forgave it, but the huge dent on the heart, that heart was ripped apart by that sin, the damages that came to it, that still has to be fixed up. So the zulmat and the darkness that has come as a result of that sin, it is not necessary that by Toba that darkness is already gone. Toba will erase the sin. But the darkness that has come that might require another process. A lot of amal, istighfar, and maybe making a lot of tasbih, giving some sadaqah, and in particular, this probably might come further down, in fact, I think it does come. Because used to highlight this, that if a person has fallen into for example, the sin of now casting some haram glance. So the nur that has now been sort of drained out and in place of it the zulmat and darkness that has come. So with sincere toba, inshallah the sin will get forgiven. But that zulmat won't go until he has made mujahada in regards to the same action several times again. In other words, he was now confronted with a similar same situation, similar situation another time now and on that next occasion he made the mujahada and did not fall into it now that might erase a portion of that zulmat but then another one time came up and again he made the mujahada and again he didn't succumb to the, that evil desire now that zulmat will further go away each time now that noor of that mujahada will now fill up and as a result proportionately to the extent of that mujahada that was made that zulmat and darkness will disappear three, four, five, ten times perhaps he has now made that mujahada 
now the heart has filled up with the noor of that mujahada again, that zulmat has disappeared. Now that heart is again enlightened. So the toba is necessary. The toba, inshallah, will get the sin forgiven. But that doesn't mean that the damage of the heart got sorted out immediately. The damage of the heart has still to be sorted out. And it will get sorted out with that mujahada. One is a mujahada of amal. But in particular, the same sin that happened when the next occasion of such a situation comes, the person makes the necessary mujahada and does not succumb. That then erases the zulmat of that sin. The amal that has its own noor. That will bring its noor. But the sin has its own zulmat also. And when a person makes mujahada against that same sin, that noor of that mujahada will erase the zulmat of that sin. This is another world, the world of the heart. Dil ki dunya. It's another world. And this world, a person has to understand this world. It's another world. And this is the world through which he connects himself to Allah Ta'ala. Some kitabs, the title is Dil ki dunya. One very beautiful poem which is a munajat it's a dua to Allah Ta'ala so the poet repeatedly hawao hirswala dil badal de badal de dil ki dunya dil badal de ya Allah change this heart of mine this heart is in another condition ya Allah change the world of this heart this heart is supposed to be a place where the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is filled in ya Allah my heart is currently filled with all the ghayrullah all the filth and dirt Allah change this hawao hirswala dil badal de Allah this heart that is filled with all this haram desires and all this evil and filth that has been filled into it Allah you change the heart ghaflat me duba dil badal de Allah this heart that is immersed in ghaflat this heart that is immersed in heedlessness in complete neglect Allah change this heart and Allah fill this heart with your remembrance fill this heart with your ma'rifat with your muhabbat so now the whole thing is this world of the heart. It's another world. And that is the world, the world that the Ahlullah, they, every person has their expertise. Somebody now, they renovate some buildings here and there. Somebody does this. The renovation of the world of the heart happens in the company of Ahlullah. We have to go and seek their sohbat, be in their company, and that's where this renovation happens. This is another world. So this world, when this world has been sorted out, this world then connects to Allah Ta'ala. So this noor that got lost as a result of the sin, Tawbah itself is not going to bring the noor back. That's a second and a separate process. That requires its own effort, and the effort is what we described. <coughs> Hazrat was explaining to us that for instance a person has missed his salah or he has spoken a lie or he has harmed somebody his heart will turn away from Allah Ta'ala by 45 degrees however he will repent and seek the forgiveness of those he has harmed and his heart will once again be directed towards Allah Ta'ala on the contrary the sin of casting glances is such that a person becomes completely unmindful of Allah Ta'ala and the love of the person he has gazed at settles in his heart. As a result, some people even lost their iman at the time of death. 
the heart the every limb of the body has its own nourishment one is the general nourishment of the body in the sense that person has to eat the food goes down into his stomach and then goes through the whole digestive system and having been digested it is that same food that got digested in the stomach and the processes thereafter that then nourishes every limb whether it is eyes whether it is his head whether it is his feet that nourishment goes to every limb of the body so that's one kind of nourishment that is the nourishment we all understand but there's another nourishment that the body also requires and every limb has its own need for its kind of nourishment the nourishment that the eyes need it needs to see what will please the eyes but obviously what allah taala has made permissible so a person sometimes now comes out he sees a good scenery in terms of some garden whatever makes him feel a little bit more comfortable makes him feel a little bit relaxed he sees the sun rising and in all this he sees the qudrat of allah taala he doesn't just look at it like anybody else looks at it he looks at it with a different eye he takes the benefit of seeing the qudrat of allah taala and he recognizes the rub of all this the people without iman they just see it up to the surface and a person who despite his iman has lost his direction also to a point then that's where he finishes off also see the surface that is why the scientists they see the surface very deeply but they only see the surface and as a result they go into all the details of how the surface is working but what makes the surface work like that they're not prepared to accept that there's a creator of it they come to that point where they see the amazing qudrat of allah taala but they stubbornly refuse to accept that all this how can this happen on its own this insan and all his faculties and everything and nauzubillah no no everything started off from an ape one person came to hazrat mashaw ithanvi rahmatullahi said why don't you refute write a refutation of this darwin's theory that of this evolution there is no need to write any refutation of this so every person is entitled to boast about his lineage we are very grateful and not in that sense but proud that our forefather is sayyidina adam alayhi salatu wasalam and we descended through from him so we are very happy about that if somebody is very happy that he came from a monkey leave him why are you worried about him he is entitled to boast about his lineage that's where he might have come from but the rest of us insan we didn't come from there we came our forefather the first human being allah taala created was adam alayhi salatu wasalam so that's where our lineage turns returns to so all this now person who gets caught up in all this allah forbid from where to where person can fall so the point we are discussing was law la mein digress from the the scientists now just get stuck at that point they refuse to accept that there's a creator of all this so they see all the surface and that's where they get stuck so now all this this insan and all his faculties and the amazing qudrat of allah taala in insan in all the other creation all this happened by chance all this just happened just by some big bang 
all this batil and all this fallacy and they themselves call it a theory the theory of evolution in other words they too despite now making it their deity but they worship that theory but they still call it a theory and a theory is just a theory it's not a reality until there is a reality the theory is nothing and this theory will remain a theory till qiyamah because it is the most baseless theory ever found anywhere completely absurd but despite their so called intelligence and their whatever claims they make for themselves this is the worst absurdity that they cling on to so in any case the person who now has iman and he has some marifat of allah taala he looks at all this and he recognizes allah tbaraka wa taala hazrat mufti mahmud sahab gangoi rahmatullah alay faqih ul ummat the grand mufti of his time of india he wrote one entire poem these poems of the ahlullah the kalam of the ahlullah this was the expression of their marifat the expression of their muhabbat for allah taala the expression of their love for nabiy kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam the expression of iman all this was this was also a part of remembering allah taala it wasn't just passing time it was meant to bring alive the marifat of allah taala for themselves for others so it was what was bubbling in their hearts they sometimes expressed it in poetic form and that became their kalam hazrat ahmadullah ali we read one of his poems other night he many times said that i this is not something that i sat down to think about that now to compose one poem so now how to try and make it rhyme how to try and fit all the words says many times i just woke up from a deep sleep and there was something just overwhelming me i took the pen and i sat down and write i started writing and in a few minutes time that poem was written and it was done in other words this was inspired on my heart now that is the kalam of the ahlullah so mufti mahmud sahab rahmatullah alai one entire poem the title of that poem is maine tumhe dekha hai maine tumhe dekha hai allah i have seen you now nobody can see allah taala in dunya so now in poetic language and poetic uh, in kalam is not the literal meaning that is taken of things it's poetic language so it has a deeper meaning so obviously nobody can see allah taala in this dunya so maine tumhe dekha hai what does this mean and it goes along lengthy poem and then this for example it talks about the flower ya allah i've seen you you in the flower meaning your qudrat manifested in this by this flower and its colors and the petals and the shapes and how it is formed and subhanallah and that fragrance and then the different flowers all put together in one garden a person's marifat with allah taala can take a boost provided he knows how to look at it in one glance at the ocean now people sometimes if any people come from up country or ever so now the biggest drive is to see the ocean one person now moved away from durban to go and stay somewhere in northern natal so now when he went to relocate there because of work whatever so many friends and so on they heard about it that he's now meaning people who are living in that end of the country they heard he moved over to that end so he said what you came from durban to here since you left the beach and came so he said i don't know how many years have passed i haven't seen the beach 
he lives up the road from there somewhere. So now the point is, that's a different matter. The issue is that now that person comes now from another part of the country, he is now whole focus is how he's going to get to the to the shore and see the beach, whatever. But then what? After having just jumped around for a while and then finish. But the Ahlullah, they look at things in a very different way. Once many, many years back, I passed away now, it's almost 13 years, or just over 10 years. So this was many years before that. That have been now about almost 20 years ago. It was in Stanger. And one of the people of Stanger, he had a house in Tinley Manor, which is now 15 odd kilometers away from there. So that's on the beach. So they had arranged now one, one day, you'll just go and spend there. You just give us some time to just relax, but the majlis will take place there. And so everything carried on, all the amal, the majlis, etc. But one evening after Maghrib, so we'll just go and sit on the shore. It was quite completely not one single person around. So everybody went, put their musallas on the, or their whatever, matting there. And Sadhu so was sitting, and just, he was sitting facing the ocean. Everybody was sitting around. Everybody was quite silent. So after a while, somebody suggested to us, should we... Suggested or requested rather that have a zikr majlis now. So, mashallah, that was a very good aspiration feeling that we are seated here, it's a quiet time and the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala manifested all around. So, have a zikr majlis. So, the first kept quiet for a while, short silence, and then he replied and said, Are we not engaged in zikr right now? Now, others may not have been engaged in zikr at that time, but that <coughs> thought that might have crossed somebody's mind, we're just sitting silently, so in other words, Hazrat is also sitting silently here, so rather make some zikr. But zikr, that looking at that ocean in that time, depends with what are you looking at it. Just looking at it, well, this is how the waves are just rolling, that's it. But a person who's looking at it, that this is the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala, Subhanallah, look at the shan of my Rabb, this mass of water, the earth, they say two-thirds of the earth approximately is water, one-third is land, this mass of water, what depth? Allah Ta'ala draws our attention to this ocean in so many ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, and then in the various things that happen as a result of this ocean, وَلَهُ الْجَوَارِ الْمُنْشَآتُ فِي الْبَحْرِكَ الْأَعْلَامِ Surah Al-Rahman last night we heard Allah Ta'ala describes this, the ships that look like mountains but where that ship is sailing sailing on the waters of the ocean and through that ship Allah Ta'ala says that so many major things have been made easy those huge loads would have been impossible to move from one point to another in any other way or not impossible then extremely difficult but by means of those ships, Allah Ta'ala has made it easy. One end of the world, those huge containers now come to another end of the world. One person mentioned there's a container ship. 4,000 containers get loaded on it. Perhaps one of the bigger, biggest container ships. One ship, 4,000 containers. Now that one container, 40 foot container, what is the weight of that 40 foot container? Take one piece of metal and throw it into water and it will sink. But Allah Ta'ala gave man that mind, that intelligence, Allah Ta'ala's qudrat. Allah Ta'ala 
allowed man to understand it and to design that ship in such a way that with that weight of 4,000 containers it's sailing on water. Whereas one piece of metal also will sink. Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. Allah is drawing our attention to that ship in the Quran Sharif. وَلَهُ الْجَوَارِ الْمُنْشَعَاتُ فِي الْبَحْرِ كَالْأَعْلَامِ That now, in those days, was the sail, sailboats, ships used to sail with those sails. So now depending on the size of the ship, accordingly the size of the sail, a small little boat will have a small sail, because that's the amount of wind it needs to now draw it. But now a huge ship will have many sails. So sometimes a big ship now, huge, and from a distance it looks like a big hill, like a mountain. That is the example the Quran Sharif is drawing our attention to. That having seen this, what have we recognized in it? That where is this sailing? Where is it heading? It's sailing on water. Water which can't hold the weight of that one metal, a small piece of metal. If that one slight bit of that ship gets chipped somehow and falls into the water, that will sink immediately. But Allah Ta'ala allowed man to understand and gave him that understanding how to design that ship and how to make it float on water. Subhanallah. That's the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. And all the things Marajal Bahrain, Yaltaqiyam, Bainahuma, Barzakhullaya Bhagyan, all the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala manifested in the oceans, the meeting of the oceans and what the different characteristics of each the intact and uh, the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean, the warmer current and the colder current and both are meeting and water is water. You can't make water stay apart. But the characteristics of this ocean remains where it is and the characteristics of this ocean remains where it is. And they are at the same time meeting one another. But despite Yaltaqiyan, they meet one another. Despite meeting one another, there's an invisible to the human eye, invisible. Bainahuma barzakhullayabhiyan. There is a barrier. What's the nature of that barrier? That barrier is Allah Ta'ala's hukam. That barrier is the command of Allah Ta'ala. Layabhiyan, they cannot exceed that barrier. So the characteristics of that cold current remain there, and the warm current remain where it's supposed to be. And water is water, is all mixing. So this is all Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat. So somebody who is looking at something with the eye that is seeing the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala and he's building his Ma'rifat of Allah Ta'ala and he's engaged in Tadabbur at that time. وَيَتَفَكَّرُونَ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Sharif praises those who ponder over the creation of the heavens and earth for what? Just like scientists do, they also ponder. They ponder and unfortunately they ponder and go to the deeper end of kufr because each time they ponder more they are not trying to ponder to to recognize the creator of it so as a result they go into greater rejection Allah Ta'ala is saying those who ponder in the fi khalqi samawati wal ard wakhtilafi al-layli wal nahar la'ayati li'ulil al-baab all this the creation of the heavens and the earth the alternating of the night and day and all this is signs, are signs for people of intelligence. The real intelligent person is a person who's recognized his Rabb. The person who's now done other things in dunya, that is all, mashallah, he understood some skill, he acquired some skill, but that 
doesn't count for intelligence if it hasn't taken him to Allah Ta'ala. That is foolishness if a person, despite having seen all this, but can't recognize the Creator. So, this looking at things, so now we digress from this point about every lump of the body has its need for certain nourishment. So the nourishment of the eye, that's the nourishment of the eye. It sees things which now pleasing sight, something that's comforting to the eyes. A person is in a drab place. Many people were confined all the time in their homes, wherever, because they were so overwhelmed with the COVID story, and they just didn't want to emerge. Just somewhere forced to remain like that by whoever, whatever. Some people were saying that after that one and a half, two, three months of just being in that, many people were having various complications of different sorts, emotional problems and uh, certain mental conditions because they were only seeing the four walls all the time. Not seeing anybody, no people, no interaction with people, family, people, children now that they were ha- waiting and now their grandchildren, somebody's children, they're not getting the chance to even interact and see anybody as a result of which they started happening. Now that was the comfort of the eyes to see those children, see that family, interact with the people, now all this was shut off. Now that's the comfort of the eyes, that's the relaxation of the eyes, that's the nourishment of the eyes. The ears, it hears something that is beautiful, sounds beautiful, the ears feel comforted with it. Obviously, there are things Allah Ta'ala is forbidden. Listening to that will give no comfort whatsoever. It will increase the misery of a person. But what Allah Ta'ala has made permissible, now he is listening to that, that relaxes and comforts the ears. So everything has its own need for nourishment and it has a specific kind of nourishment. Now the heart is the king. Everything has its nourishment. What will be the nourishment of the king, the food of the king? So now the subjects, the subjects, their food is at their level. And the food of the king is at the king's level. See, he eats like a king. Now you want to see what he eats like a king. So he's eating some dal. He said, no, no, this person now probably they deposed him. He probably was the king. If you're eating like the king, he won't be eating this. Somebody says that he's, when things were being distributed, says in my line, I caught, caught into the line when dal was being distributed. So that's, any case, the point is that, that the king's nourishment is like the food of the king. So now everything has its nourishment. What is the nourishment of the heart? The nourishment of the heart is muhabbat. The food of the heart is muhabbat. Now it depends now what muhabbat was brought into the heart. So now the food of the stomach, nourishment of the stomach is food. So one is sumptuous food. He put that into his stomach. MashaAllah, it'll nourish the whole body. But then he put decayed food. That too is food, but it's decayed. What's going to be the outcome of that? He's going to get sick. And depending how badly decayed, he's going to get so badly sick. And if it is gone to a very serious level of contamination, then it might become fatal. So the food of the heart is muhabbat. Now either it is going to be the pure muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala and that muhabbat which Allah Ta'ala has permitted 
So that muhabbat too becomes fillah. Al-hub, fillah. Person has muhabbat and love for his parents. That muhabbat is fillah. Because Allah Ta'ala has made that part of insan that he should have that attachment for his parents. Person has muhabbat for his children. That is fillah. It's a different matter. He doesn't channel it in that manner. But that muhabbat is fillah. So now he loves the children for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Though that is part of his human nature. But that becomes fillah. And likewise, whatever Allah has permitted, this is in the Quran Sharif, Allah has made some of these things part of his nature. That he has an attachment for it. Zuyina linnas, hubbu shahawati minan nisa, wal baneen, wal qanatir al muqantara, minas zahabi wal fidda, wal khayl al musawwamati wal anami wal harth, zalika mata'ul hayati dunya. Nevertheless, having mentioned that all this is part of insan's nature, he has an attachment with his children, with his parents, with family, even with the possessions that he owns, those halal things that he has earned, he owns. Human nature, he has, if a person didn't have that attachment with his things, then if somebody steals everything away too, it won't bother him at that moment. Somebody's cutting it away, even waving at him too, he'll wave back also. Then now, when he needs it now, he'll be in a real predicament and dilemma. So he say, but then why you let it go? He say, well, he was taking it, so let it go. He'll have no concern about looking after his things, looking, protecting anything. Allah has created insan with that attachment. That he'll look after it, he'll use it correctly, but use it in a way that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased. So that is part of human nature. But having described all that, at the end of that list, Allah Ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ مَتَعُ الْحَيَاةِ dunya." All this is means of some benefit for dunya, but it's beneficial for insan, but for dunya. It now depends how he uses it that can become a means of benefit for the akhirat as well. So the muhabbat one is that pure muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. The muhabbat of things that Allah has permitted, then that too will fall in the same category. That will nourish the heart. That muhabbat will nourish the heart. And the haram muhabbat, the heart needs muhabbat. That is nourishment. Without that, it will start being restless. But now instead of that pure muhabbat, like the person now, instead of eating that good wholesome food, he is eating contaminated food. He is eating food now with maggots now coming out of it. So what's going to be the outcome of that is obvious. It probably be sometimes minutes or few hours that he's going to be very sick. He might be requiring admission to hospital and Allah forbid what not might happen. So, now the likewise the situation that the heart needs its food and the food of the heart is muhabbat. Either he has nourished it with the pure muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala and hubfillah, those things that Allah Ta'ala has made permissible to have that muhabbat for it, that will nourish the heart. That will comfort it. And if he feeds haram love into it, that is eating contaminated food. That is eating diseased and contaminated food. That is going to make him restless. It just depends how restless it will make him initially. But that can be written down in, in, on rock, inscribed in whatever, cast in stone. That is a reality, that is a certainty, that is a complete, absolute fact. That if he is going to put haram love in that heart, 
that is going to take away the peace of his life but just that dunya is a test so if somebody has given him poison and they're telling him this is poison also but it's wrapped in some very sweet wrapping meaning whatever the covering is so the poison is like now you get some sweet now so there's something in the sweet there's some soft center inside and now there's something else that now is now coating it so that whole coating now comes on the tongue first then the person now starts chewing it over time now then he gets to what is within it so now that coating that is what he tastes first now what is within it that might be some maybe one badam is inside or whatever else he won't even have any idea about that initially initially he is just chewing on that that nut and hazelnut and whatever some all kinds of nuts inside but he'll have no idea of it initially but as he carries on now rotating that in his mouth gradually that now coating wears off the sweetness of the coating is gone now he's chewing some nuts so likewise sin shaitan he sugar coats it that is the test of dunya that all the poison is inside but it's sugar coated so now the poison immediately is not felt initially it is the sugar coating so the person now is tasting that sugar coating and is feeling very thrilled about it people are all frightening me for nothing this is so enjoyable and i'm you know getting such enjoyment out of this but that enjoyment is a sugar coating and it's very very thin that coating is very thin before he knows it that poison is already going to start affecting and when the poison starts affecting now that sugar coating is all lost but now what shaitan does shaitan says no the antidote to that poison is more of the sugar coating but the sugar coating comes along with the poison so now that one sin now made him restless so now he's looking at haram on his phone now after a while he now that sugar coating but when he, then what now that whole heart has gone into a turmoil now now he's seeing his wife also but there's nothing for him there because this haram has taken over so now there's no peace and there's no contentment there's no enjoyment in all the halal now he's searching for something else but now how so now the shaitan says no more of it more of it then you'll feel satisfied then you'll feel comforted and now that becomes a stepping stone into this abyss this pit and is getting deeper and deeper into this pit and now sometimes he falls so deep now he wants to come out of it doesn't know how to come out of it then it's not possible to come out of it without a lifeline person needs a lifeline then lifeline if he goes to the wrong person allah forbid what kind of lifeline they'll give him they might throw him further into the pit there's one story about one person was the the very the wise man of the village so now all rural area simple people so now the wise man of the village any problem now go and talk to the wise man of the village he'll solve the problem out so now one day one person was climbing one tree and he climbed up the high tree like maybe palm or something to go in he climbed all the way on the top now when the time came to come down he got a some fright and he can't come down 
Now he's stuck there, he's clinging on the top. They're telling him, come down. He's saying, no, it's such a high thing, they don't have ladders of that nature. Now how to bring him down? Nobody else can go climb and carry him from there. So they went to the wise man. How do we bring this person down now? So he said, oh, he came, looked at it. Tall trees, person is clinging at the top. What's so difficult about this? Very easy. Okay, bring one rope. They brought one rope and came. So he says, okay, now somehow... He says, now throw this rope up to him. So they made a lasso first of it, and then threw the rope up to him, maybe somehow somebody threw it up high. So finally now while he's clinging there, he managed to grab onto that rope. Okay, what to do now? Okay, now somehow get this rope around your waist. So now very carefully now he's clinging onto that tree too, and somehow got it over him. Now when he got it around his waist, so now the other end of the rope is down on the ground. So he told everybody now down, now hold on to the rope and pull. So it's obvious what happened. Now when they tugged at it, now from that height this person came crashing down. That was the end of him. So he solved the problem forever. <laughs> so now the people were shocked what you did here now. You killed this person. What kind of advice you gave? So he says, no look, this was his takdeer. <laughs> this was his takdeer because this worked previously. How could he have worked previously? He says, last time one person was deep down in the well, we threw one lasso to him and we pulled him out. So that was also a similar, meaning the depth was, this was up, that was down. He was so deep down, we pulled him out. So this fellow from top, we pulled him down. Now it was, his time was up, so he passed away now. So now that kind of mentality, sometimes we think that people who can advise us, but people who don't have deen in their lives, Sometimes people go for advice to people who don't even have Iman. And they want to solve their domestic problems in such places. They want to solve their social issues in such places. They want to get guidance and counseling from people of, without Iman. They're going to bring us crashing down from that place. So now it sometimes sounds like very... But this is the kind of logic. They, because when a person doesn't have Iman or doesn't have Deen in him, despite being a mu'min, sometimes he's thinking in a different line. So what kind of advice is going to give? His advice is going to be devoid of what is the command of Allah Ta'ala, what is the way of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's going to bring our Iman crashing down. So the thing is, that that requires then a lifeline. We'll have to go to people who will be able to provide that lifeline. And it's not going to be one once of advice that is going to do the job. It's going to require like there's a process, not going to stand on the top of that well, in the top of that foot, and give him some advice and he'll walk out. There's going to be a lot of interaction that's going to be required. There's going to be a lot of processes involved. And as that processes are undertaken, gradually the person now will come out of that put. But on his own, it's going to be like an impossibility. The purpose of mentioning this is, sometimes, mashallah, we are, that, that urge is there. I need to come out of these problems. I need to come out of these issues. That inspiration comes sometimes. It might be some kitab a person reads. Sometimes he hears some talk of deen somewhere. Sometimes somebody, Latara gave Taufik, so he spent some time now at the Kaaf, he stayed in the month of Ramadan. Or he went out in Jamaat. Something or the other inspired him. So Alhamdulillah, now that inspiration came in the heart. That inspiration came in the heart. Now he feels, time has come now. I can't carry on like this. Alhamdulillah. That has come from Allah Ta'ala's side. That which came in the heart, is an inspiration from Allah Ta'ala. 
now that inspiration came she said well now what has happened has happened that's it but now he's down in the pit at the moment he's decided now I don't want to remain in the pit Alhamdulillah previously he was still going further down but now he decided I don't want to go any further down I want to come out of this Alhamdulillah but now how to come out that's still another matter so a person mashallah that inspiration comes some urge comes now that look, we need to now move forward in life this is enough now but how to come out of that pit till he doesn't take that advice the good intentions will be in his place but two days later he'll realize he's still there or five days later he'll realize I'm still same place because he's back in the same cycle mashallah for a while there was say, some comfort of some sort maybe some, somebody lowered down some good things for him in that some comfort in that put so for a while he was now feeling comfortable but then that got exhausted now he's still there but he needs to come out from there he needs to be now on the surface of the ground not in that put to come out of that put requires help then and a person then should seek the help from somebody who he has that munasabat with that compatibility he feels that ease of communication and somebody who can guide him in the light of Quran and Sunnah somebody who can guide him who has that experience and can help him come out of that put that is a, a, a necessity without that very difficult so this is the path forward that we turn to Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala we're talking about this to finish off the muhabbat of the, the heart the heart requires this muhabbat and the muhabbat that's going to nourish the heart is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala any haram love etc is going to create a lot of misery how many people sometimes say I can't even sleep at night this, that and the other why is all this, what's the problem well, the problem is I'm in this relationship and I'm in this and that and the other all that haram has never ever given anyone any peace that can be written down that haram has never given anyone any peace the deception is the sugar coating which is short lived but when the poison hits there's never going to be any peace in it. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq that we connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala fill our hearts with His muhabbat. Allah Ta'ala fill our hearts with His ma'rifat. And keep us steadfast on deen. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.